Hello, friend and colleague. It's Nikki from Full Voice Music on our podcast show today, episode 142. I am going to be sharing my top tips, my secret top tips about keeping students engaged in your online lessons. Our good friend, social media expert, Karen Michaels, is sharing some super secret, no, they're not secret, some wonderful strategies for those of you using YouTube. And our good friend, Dr. Heather Nelson, is sharing fun facts about the uvula, teaching strategies, social media tips, and anatomy right here on the Full Voice Podcast. Hello, welcome, and thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Full Voice Podcast. I hope wherever you are, you might be enjoying a delightful beverage. Maybe it's a coffee, a latte, a cup of tea, or perhaps you're like me and you're multitasking and cleaning your house or going for a walk, or maybe you're walking, or maybe you're on the treadmill. I love to listen to podcasts on the treadmill. I loved, I love to watch workshops, teacher workshops, and um, po- listen to podcasts on while I'm walking on the treadmill. And um, <laughs> full disclosure, one of my favorite podcasts, and I want to shout out to Kristen Coffee Rondo because she told me about this podcast, is the Astonishing Legends podcast. And it's all about like spooky stories and legends and UFOs and ghosts. And I I get really into those episodes and they're very long. They're very detailed. Those guys, they do huge research on all of these topics. And apparently if I binge on those podcasts, my husband tells me that I talk in my sleep and I'll do things like I'll be shouting and talking in my sleep after I listen to them. So if you're looking for another podcast, um, uh, kind of an escape, if you're really into those those spooky stories and urban legends, check out Astonishing Legends. They do a really good job. I like the two hosts. They are they have a good energy and it's a lot of fun. Anyhow, if you are listening to this podcast, uh, I am going to make the assumption that you are a voice teacher and you are working really hard at this time of year, trying to keep your students engaged. And I would like to share that I've always found this time of year to be very challenging. We are, if you're listening to this podcast, at time of release, it's May, and we've kind of got the last hurrah, the last push before our spring recital and before we kind of wrap things up before the summer season. And man, do my students love to just bring their low energy into my Zoom room. Now, on top of the fact that it is that time of year, uh, we also have a third lockdown here in Ontario. The kids have gone back to remote learning. They're not in school. They are learning from home. So... I get the, when I welcome my students into my Zoom room, I get the, I've been online all day. 
And evil Nikki wants to remind them that the whole planet is online all day and that they should just get over it. However, that's not the most empathetic thing that one could do. But I refuse to get sucked into their low energy. So I wanted to share with you today, my little segment here is about keeping students engaged. This ties in with our lesson pacing. This ties in with being mindful and being aware of the energy of your students. And thanks and shout out to Dr. Shannon Coates. She has shared some wonderful segments about working with low energy students um, and uh, very helpful information. And um, if for those of you who have been working with young singers for a while, you know that we do have to break up the activities into smaller chunks. That is one of the guidelines that I always offer teachers when you're working with young singers and when we're dealing with shorter attention spans, uh, because they are young, um, we have to break things up and we have to present the information in smaller pieces. But I have some strategies and some fun things to share with you. And hopefully this will lift everybody's spirits. And I do want to put out another little pet peeve. I I know that we're dealing with a lot. I know that this has been a challenging year. We have been forced to learn new technologies, but I I want, I would really like to encourage teachers to recognize that online learning is now a thing. And even as this pandemic subsides and we get back to what is normal, and many of us may go back to on uh, to in-person lessons, many of you are, are transitioning back, there is going to be a demand for online lessons. And many teachers are thinking that a hybrid offering, so offering both in-person and online, is how their their studios will progress into the future. And there are wonderful benefits. I taught online lessons prior to uh, this pandemic because of weather. Um, so we, there was one winter, we got like 14 snow days and it caused huge pain and suffering in my studio because there was no way I could make up 14 missed lessons. So having um, online lessons for weather, uh, whether a student maybe doesn't have a ride or a vehicle to your, your lesson, there's so many reasons why parents would be very interested in um, whether it's maybe not all the time, but or continuing with online lessons. So I want to share these strategies, um, and uh, this will help to uh, to keep your online lessons vibrant and fun and uplifting. So, first of all, I want to um, I want to remind you, and I would like to say that all of these strategies would work beautifully in an in person lesson as well, but online they really do pop. So, uh, first of all, uh, guideline number one: um, find the fun and the drama. There are little tiny fun things you can do to perk up your students. If your student is, um, you know, not focusing on the screen or they're distracted, perhaps they need a little bit of zingy drama uh, coming through at them. So, what do I mean by that? Well, instead of just asking them to sing something, give them some sort of 
fun, um, uh, fun little uh, way to entice them about the exercise or about the activity. So one of the things that I used to do in my in-person lesson, which the kids loved, is they would reach into a jar and they would pull out their tongue twister. So it was like this big adventure. Ooh, what tongue twister are you going to get? Um, we also have the songbird warm-up game where we, the, the students' warm-ups were in the jar. I used to call it Jar of Doom, just to make them laugh. I'm like, all right, it's time for Jar of Doom. Um, and the kids would laugh and I would laugh and they'd pull out their exercises. That exercise, just, just spicing it up a little bit by pulling the exercise out and adding some mystery can take a child that is, is bored and not paying attention to you to having their full attention. Now, um, online, I still pull the tongue twister out of the jar. I will reach my hand in and I will ask the student to tell me when to stop. I'm like, all right, Allie, tell me when to stop. And then she'll go, okay, stop. And I'll pull it out. And then I just hold it up to the camera. And we have so much fun. Now, if you are working with small group classes, one of the challenges that I first had uh, with the online lessons with my small group classes is that while I'm working with one student or while one student has their turn to perform something for me, the other kids would get bored and distracted. So one of the things that I'll do is I try to keep all of them involved as we are doing the warm-up exercises. So what I might say is I might reach into the jar and I'll say, okay, Allie, you tell me when to stop and that will be the tongue twister for Ruby. So now both Allie and Ruby are engaged and they're participating. And I would do that in person. I would hold the jar out for one student and then that student would be picking out the exercise for another student. With my small group classes, if we're singing, um, if I'm s focusing on one student, uh, I have five little girls. Um, they're eight to 10 years old in my small group class. They've been singing together for a while and they're so super supportive of each other, uh, which is so important. Um, but uh, so I like to give each of my singers in the small group class opportunities to sing by themselves. So with my online lessons, if I'm giving them an exercise and I want to solo somebody, I ask the kids to mute themselves, but they are to practice while they are muted. That means they are singing and rehearsing. And then when it's their time to perform for me, they've already been practicing along with the student that I, that I was working with. That goes a long way. I made the mistake in the beginning of making them wait their turn and they would get bored and then one would get up and leave. Um, the other thing that I've started doing um, with my online students, again, to keep them engaged, is I like them to have two spots in their room where they are, they have learning stations. When I was in person, my teaching studio had learning stations. I had my tonic sofa wall. I had uh, the carpet where we would work in our books. I had around the piano when we were singing. Um, lots of different areas. So what I've started doing with my online singers, and I do this with all my singers of any age. So I have a place where they can take their laptop or their iPad and set it up where they can stand. 
And then if possible, this isn't always possible, I have them move the iPad or the computer carefully to a desk where they can sit and do some work. So sometimes students will, oh, this drives me nuts. They'll log on to their lesson and they'll be sitting on their bed. I, what is that? Um, and uh, for those of you who are teaching online, um, I have a really good relationship with my families. So I, while I don't prefer my students to be in their bedrooms, in some cases, that's the, that's the most private place where kids can work. And as long as parents um, are uh, okay with this, and as long as they keep the door open, I don't have a problem with it. Um, your situation may be different. So of course, p- proceed with professionalism. Um, anyhow, so I like to ask them to uh, move um, sometimes. So um, I have a couple 11, 12 year olds that love to just kind of get all hunkered down at their desk. And we'll do some of our exercises there because that's where it's comfortable for them to get started. But when they're performing their songs, I will get them to move the iPad over to a dresser where then they can stand and sing for me. And that's been very helpful. That's really kind of helped to keep um, some momentum and some movement into the lesson. Um, Now, I want to, with choosing um, uh, singers or choosing exercises, I want you to check this out. If you get a chance, go to the Google machine and I want you to go to wheelofnames.com. It is a super simple little website. And what you do is you just type in either the names of your students uh, or names of exercises, or you could put in a student's repertoire and then spin the wheel and decide which piece of music they're going to sing. There's a lot of applications for this, and I have to tell you, it's a lot of fun. Uh, Last week, I had my adult sip and sing class. So all my adult students... Um, they have, uh, not all of my students come every week. Some of them, um, will come every other week, but once a month we have a sip and sing zoom class where they can come and perform and support each other and talk and laugh. And we have such a great time. So for my sip and sing, I used the wheel of names.com and I put everybody's name in and that's how we decided who would perform next? And yes, I put my name in there and Sean and I actually got to perform a song for my students. It was a lot of fun. I can't tell you how much fun that made it for the, the my adults. So something like that for your students, for a small group class, or if you're working in a private lesson, I will put like uh, all of the activities that we could possibly do in that lesson. Um, so if I'm working with one of my younger singers, I usually have like three, four, five different activities that I would like to do in that lesson. So I will put them on the wheel of names and then I'll spin the wheel of names. And then what comes up is the next exercise that we do. It's simple, but it's fun. And I I challenge you to try that. Now, the other thing that I've been doing more of, and this is also very helpful for me. Now, earlier in this year from sitting too much, I pinched a nerve in, well, I kind of squished my sciatic nerves. So I've been struggling with quite a bit of pain. And I do, I did invest in a, um, uh, a, a, 
an adjustable desk. I have a, a sit-stand desk. Great investment. Um, so I am trying to move more. Again, in person, I would I move a lot. I would be standing, and I'd be at the piano, and we'd go over to the carpet. Um, so one of the things I've been more mindful about is getting the kids moving. Now, the other day when my uh, vocal class logged in, I could tell that they were all very low energy. So what I did as I got them to set themselves up so they could move, that they had some, they had some space around them, that they could still see me. I played the music to Farrell Williams' happiness, or happy, and I used Anne Baltz's gesture cards. So I started the track. They had to move to the beat of the music and they could dance, they could walk, they could strut, they could do whatever they want. And as the music was playing in my camera, I would hold up a gesture card. Um, and it was things like, uh, you know, um, move forward, move to the side, uh, wave, like um, lean forward. And, and so they had to put, and there was no right or wrong, they just had to put in all these gestures. So what started as a very low energy group at the end of a three minute song, my students had been moving, they had been listening, they had been tapping, and they were smiling. So movement is fantastic. Now, there are other ways to enhance activities with movement. I have started when my students are doing any kind of rhythms, I get them to walk to the beat. Uh, I get them to walk and tap to the beat. So they walk in place. I get them to walk and tap and snap and all sorts of engagement while they are walking in place. And again, that movement can keep a fidgety, wiggly student engaged. And for high energy kids, that can help them focus that can help them uh, come back to the lesson because you're keeping them busy. So I've even done that with the soulfish hand signs. I'll say, okay, we're going to pretend we're walking, we're walking and we're going to do do re mi, but we're going to do do re mi to the beat of our uh, steps. That has also been very helpful, getting them moving, singing to the beat, feeling the beat in their body. Now, the other tip I have is whenever possible, make things visual. So anytime you can use something on the screen to catch their attention. So uh, if you haven't yet checked it out, I want you to go to Google and type in Bongo Cat. Bongo Cat is a cute little cat and you can use the keys on your keyboard to play different instruments. And instead of just clapping a rhythm for them, well, why don't you let bongo cat do it for them. Um, I did this with my teenagers last week and they were delighted. Even our teenagers and our adults need to have some fun. So please don't hesitate to, uh, to just use some visuals. Um, you know, one of the things that, uh, uh, you know, people will say is, um, uh, you know, oh, uh, you know, everybody's burnt out. Everybody has zoom burnt out, burnout. And um, I declare shenanigans on that statement. Now, I have been online a lot. 
this past year. And I have participated and, um, and, and just been a viewer of many different types of presentations and meetings. And I'm just going to say it. There's good presentations that keep you engaged and meetings that are, are fun and useful. And then there are presentations that are not. And I would feel exactly the same way in an in-person situation um, with some of these presentations that I have uh, seen. So I think if we uh, if we take the responsibility of keeping things engaging, getting kids moving, being excited and and cr- creating a sense of fun in our studios, that Zoom burnout, I don't I don't think you're going to have to deal with it as much as you would if you're just lecturing the students. So I want you to just try some of these strategies. If you want links to the wheelofnames.com or Bongo Cut, um, uh, they're in the show notes. But um, when you are working with students, you have wonderful strategies and lots of different ways that you can keep students learning and engaged in your online lessons. We are absolutely thrilled here at Full Voice Music to have partnered with amazing children's composers. Donna Rodenizer is from Nova Scotia, Canada, and she has been writing beautiful, fun, clever, and funny songs for children for 35 years. I'm really excited to share one of my favorite songs that was written by Donna and her partner, Andy, and it's called You and Me. This sweet, short, and touching song is about friends. And what's beautiful about this piece and what many of my students have explored is different types of friendships. So I've had a student sing this about a pet that they love. I've had students sing this about a sibling, and of course, about a friend from school and even about their parents. It's so simple for children to relate to these words. And this is a wonderful tool for exploring expressive singing. This is the beautiful little song called You and Me. is part of our single song download collection and you can find this song and more at www.thefullvoice forward slash songs Our 
our social media expert, Karen Michaels, is joining us once again, sharing wonderful tips for those of you using YouTube. Welcome, welcome, welcome back to the podcast, my friend, colleague, and social media expert. How are you? I am great. How are you doing? We're doing good. We're doing good. I'm I'm so excited. Um, you have some really interesting updates about YouTube. And I yes. know a lot of my listeners are using YouTube. They're using it um, uh, for their studios. They're posting information and videos for their students. Um, so what's going on? What do, what do people need to know about? What, what are some of the big changes? It's so fun. I love when the platforms, I know some people are like, why are they always changing? <laughs> and I'm like, well, do you eat the same dinner every night? Do you never add a new spice to your recipe? So I like to think of it like that. You know, they're, they're, they do these updates so that it's a better experience for the user and it's a better experience for the backend user as well. Okay. Be- All right. Right? Because what is the point of YouTube? YouTube is is obviously a video watching platform, but it is also a way for people to share their content mm. and share themselves. It is a it is an absolute KLT instantaneous builder because mm-hmm. you're watching someone, you're listening to them, you see their face. It's why we have that feeling, um, you know, like with newscasters and, mm. and people like that, we feel like we know them. Sure. And they, right? Because we see them nightly on the news and what have you. And so now with, with the, with the way that YouTube has grown, it's, it's truly, it's truly amazing. I just love it. And, and we can build our own personal KLT. And again, I say, what an incredible time to be alive in terms of having your own business, Mm -hmm. because you don't even have to pay to be on there. Right. It's a I mean, free right? Like, think about that. No, none of us could afford. I mean, what what did what just happened in the Super Bowl? The Reddit bought a five second ad for five million dollars or whatever it was. Right. And I mean, five seconds. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know, come on, that's not reality for any of us. So, what can we do? We can get ourselves out there on the social media platforms, and YouTube is got to be one of my top favorites because of the the KLT factor. So. And I just want to clarify that KLT yes. means no like and trust. Yes, very good, my student. All right. <laughs> <laughs> and and why do we want to build KLT with no like and trust? We want to build that because those people need to see us. It's actually the data around that is they want to see us seven to nine times, mm-hmm. literally, and then that's when they would start believing that they could, if they give if they give us money then we will they will get back something fantastic mm. and and obviously as as business people that is uh, for sure a top goal we we need to bring money in so that we can make better products and do better things and and all of that esoteric and wonderful stuff for the world so let's let's focus on what to do so one of the great um things that's happened is shorts Okay. Not the kind that you wear, but think of this in terms of videos. And so, yes, I'm going to make the comparison to TikTok and Reels. Mm, yeah. This is YouTube's answer to that. Mm-hmm. And unlike Reels now is are taking off, which is fantastic. As you mm-hmm. know, we've started to implement that into our strategy. Um, 
but on YouTube, shorts didn't have any um, downtime. They started it and it immediately took over. And so what it is, it's a 30 second um, to one minute moment in time Mm -hmm. that captures the audience. And then often what will happen with the shorts is you can tap the, um, you can tap the profile and then it takes you over to the complete profile of the person who posted that short. Oh, interesting. Okay. Mm -hmm. So it's a great, it's, that's like a really fast thing where I realize where, um, I'm looking at it and I'm like, oh, that person, that was really interesting what I just watched. And then I clicked over and I was like, okay. (laughs) And there it is. That's why they're doing it. And when you see big companies doing it, Mm. a lot of the cruise ships, I mean, gosh, what a difficult business to be in right now, right? So what are they doing? They're taking all their vacation, beautiful vacation videos, and they're chopping it up into one minute videos. Oh, that's a great idea. So brilliant. And then, of course, use the hashtag shorts with the with plural. Mm-hmm. And everybody that's using that hashtag um, is showing up really, really well. And then that's the other big update that YouTube is doing is that you can now follow hashtags on YouTube. Oh, that's so good. Uh, you did a really great segment on the podcast a little while ago about hashtags and understanding them for Instagram and yes. Facebook was using it and also LinkedIn. So now also on YouTube. Yes, it's mm. brilliant, Nikki. It is so important to use. And what you want to do is when you're writing your description, right? So you write your description and I, I want to tell everybody, go and look at some of the top accounts exactly what to do. Um, and I'm going to actually, in my in my upcoming newsletter, I'm going to write a little, here's exactly how I like to see a oh, description that's, that's written. Helpful. So you want to write your description and in a normal way, this is what the video is about. And then you can put links to your, and that's one great thing about YouTube, unlike mm. Facebook, for example. Yes. You can put exterior links, right? Yeah. And they don't get mad at you. They mm-hmm. they encourage it. So you can put links to products you're talking about. You can put links to blog posts that you mentioned. You can put links to your other, other social media platforms that you're on in case somebody happens to find you but really prefers to consume their content on Instagram or Facebook or LinkedIn or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And then on the bottom of your description, you want to put Mm, three to five. Five is a lot. I, I'm liking the three and four, okay. three and four hashtags. And okay. then what it does is it pops it up above the title mm, okay. as you're looking at the video. Okay. So, and, and I'm going to just let the cat out of the bag. Voice teacher, vocal coach, those while they are big, they're not too big yet. I highly recommend that if you're a YouTuber, get over there and add those hashtags um, to add those hashtags to your descriptions. And by the way, you don't have to do it. Remember in Instagram, we have to add hashtags right away. Yes. You can go back and redo your descriptions on YouTube mm-hmm. and do all of this update and it will not hinder you and it will not put you at the bottom of the feed it will actually help you oh that's a great tip i um i i love that you are able to keep us updated on these things because i remember when we were talking about reels that because it was a new element a new kind of feature for the platform anybody Mm -hmm. that jumped in quickly at the beginning, got a lot of traction with their reels. So is it the same with shorts? 
Yes, it okay. is. And anytime, I mean, look, for example, we, we, you and I jumped into guides. We have the guides on Instagram and mm-hmm. I don't know where guides is going. I've used it for a few clients. I can't tell if it's helpful or not. It certainly doesn't hurt. Sure. But anytime a platform releases something new, mm. they reward you for trying it. Oh, and okay. that, that's a fact. They just absolutely reward you for trying it. And, and, and you can think of shorts too as, as, um, YouTube's answer to stories and fleets, which fleets are what Twitter is using. Okay. Um, you know, all those kinds of things. So it's kind of funny. They they all sort of do the same thing. Mm-hmm. But the reason is, and this is really important to think about. Everybody's like, oh, they're all doing the same thing. They're copying TikTok. They're copying this. Well, it's not that they're copying it. It's just that obviously people want to consume their content like that. Mm-hmm. And so if you prefer your platform on YouTube but you wish that there was some extra little things, that's why they do it. Because people like to consume their content that way. They want to see it in short form. Mm -hmm. And then if they really like what's happening, then they'll go investigate that channel and see more of what they have. And now you're saying you're keeping that viewer on the platform longer. And that's how YouTube rewards you. I love it. Um, I want to remind everybody and encourage everybody to sign up for Karen's newsletter. She puts out a great newsletter. She shares all this great information and best practices. It's so important to play by the rules when you're using different (laughs) platforms. And I want to thank Karen because she keeps me from violating the rules (laughs) all the time. (laughs) And uh, Karen, you're also helping uh, the National Association of Teachers of Singing with their social media. Yeah. Yes, I do. And it's so, I mean, that's one of those, it's like working with you, right? It's like dreamy gig because (laughs) I'm talking to and about and with voice teachers and voice experts. Mm -hmm. And then, so that's that part of the thing that I love. And then working on social media and technology and learning all that stuff. And I don't know what weirdo gene I got for that one, but I, I had no idea. I never even studied it. But now, of course, I've I have, you know, 50 courses under my belt in the last three years. So I love it. That's kind of crazy. But and the last thing I do want to mention one more thing Mm. about YouTube, Nikki, Sure, sure. is that you can post like a regular static post on YouTube, like a regular image and say upcoming webinar, upcoming premiere, upcoming whatever, or just even a regular post. Mm. And you can put the link in your post to your channel. Oh, that's a great tip. I didn't know that. That's very cool. All it's right. very cool. Uh, make sure you sign up. I'm going to put direct uh, links to uh, Karen's information. Please, if you are promoting your music, your singing, your teaching studio on the socials, please sign up for Karen's newsletter. She shares all this amazing information and uh, she loves to help us. And she's in the trenches like we are. She's got her (laughs) piano and voice students as well. Uh, Karen, thank you so much again for sharing all this amazing information. And uh, we will see you soon on the podcast. Thank you. I cannot wait. I love being here with you, Nikki. Our good friend and podcast 
expert, Dr. Heather Nelson, returning. We had a cliffhanger from our previous episode, but today we are talking, and uh, Heather will be sharing some fun facts about the UV. Welcome back to the Full Voice Podcast. My friend, colleague, vocologist, Dr. Heather Nelson, how are you doing? Very well today. This is going to be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> so uh, you do this thing with your segments where we have a cliffhanger. We were talking about the epiglottis the last time mm-hmm. you were in. and um, But we were also mentioning how the epiglottis sometimes is confusing uh, or people confuse it with the uvula. Mm-hmm. And that is our conversation today. And I think I mentioned on the other podcast that I did have an argument with a nine-year-old who was convinced that the flappy thing that they could see and she showed me of course at the back Mm -hmm. of her throat was the epiglottis and I had to kindly pull up a google document or a picture and say I I think we're we're wrong but um so uh uvula I, I always I always have to think about that word before I say it. Uh, let's let's talk about let's talk about that. And again, your face is like excited and lit up. You love mm-hmm. doing these things. You love talking about all of this stuff. So I'm so glad you're here. Yeah, this is fun. I, I I think the uvula is another little piece of our bodies that we don't give nearly enough attention um, and love to because it really does a lot to help us out. And it you know it just kind of hangs out and it does its thing. And we don't we don't think about it too much until something goes wrong. Like if mm-hmm. we get a a bad nasty sore throat and it gets swollen and sure. and then we hate its guts. But <laughs> <laughs> um, it really really is a great thing for us. So um, I will start off by uh, reminiscing a little bit. If anybody remembers the um, show from the 80s, Full House, there yes. was a segment once um, where um, Stephanie had to go to the dentist and she was scared. And so Uncle Joey took her to the dentist and told her, I'm paraphrasing, but uh, told her that everybody holds their courage somewhere in their bodies. And so he repurposed the spit sucker and did the little beep, beep, beep all over her body. And turns out her courage was housed in her uvula and he called it the hangy ball of courage. And so <laughs> that has been my nickname for the uvula forever. It's oh the my hangy gosh, the ball of courage. hangy ball of and courage. So, well done. I know you can Google that courage hangy ball, and you can you can see um see that little segment, and and maybe I don't know, maybe I'm just a little bit weird, but <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought that segment was always cute. It definitely made an impression. <laughs> so Absolutely. our hangy ball of courage, the uvula, its full name, the uvula is actually a nickname. Its mm-hmm. full name is the palatine uvula because it connects to the palatine muscles. If you think about the back of your mouth is basically an arch of muscles and Mm. um, the tonsils are nearby and those muscles help to raise and lower your soft palate. Mm. And um, so the uvula kind of hangs off of that. And if we think about, it's really not even that big, but the uvula has a ton of glands in it, little glands Mm. that make really thin mucus that keeps your mouth and the back of your throat lubricated. And so it's super duper important again for keeping your body systemically hydrated because that keeps everything, um, nice and, and, and slimy, (laughs) you know, in the back (laughs) of your mouth and throat like it's supposed to be, but it also has muscles in it. It has little, little tiny muscles that when they can 
contract, they pull the soft palate up and close off your nasal passages. So when you swallow, um, that, that, um, that acts up so that, um, we don't end up, you know, regurgitating anything out of our nose when we right. swallow. Right. So it's very important holding those muscles right in the middle of our throat there. Mm. And, um, some people will actually have um, a, a different shaped one. Most of ours is teardrop shaped. Some mm-hmm. people will have what they call a bifurcated uvula that Ooh. has two little lobes. So it'll look like almost a little forked tongue and wow. hanging down in the back okay. of your throat. And that's just kind of a you know an anatomical anomaly that mm-hmm. makes people a little individual, a little special. Does it affect the ability to to function? Like, or does it cause any cha- like challenges for that person? And um, just that that uh, forked shape does not. Okay. Now we can get into trouble sometimes if it gets infected because Ooh. you know it, um, like anything else that has tissue or you know glands or whatever, they can get infected. And so if you get like tonsillitis mm. or you know a bad cold, um, those glands can get swollen and they can cause problems. Okay. Some people um, might have an extra large one okay. and um, that can cause trouble with sleep apnea or sometimes mm. those muscles can get a little flabby and not hold it up as, as well, particularly while you're sleeping. And so um, that's a pretty important thing to look for if you have like obstructive sleep apnea. Wow. Sometimes like actually snipping off the uvula has been a treatment for um, sleep apnea apnea because it can get big and, and, um, and obstructive. Um, I don't, I think that they're actually starting to move away from that, but I, I, that's just kind of more anecdotal stuff that I've, that I've heard that they're not used doing that as much anymore. It's actually been an interesting, uh, a little fact that I learned while I was, um, while I was researching this was that sometimes some cultures like some African and lower Middle Eastern cultures cut it off of children because it's thought to kind of hold infection. Um, or if a kid has problems like with feeding when they're an infant. And so, um, it's been a cultural thing for some plates, some, uh, locales to, you know, kind of cut it off of an infant. Um, so there's that, um, a really super interesting thing is that the uvula can actually make speech sounds um, with, um, we call it the uvular R and it's uh, in French mm. and in Arabic and Hebrew is that kind yes. of, it's not exactly the German right. but it's like that R sound um, uh, that you'll hear native French speakers use yes. that kind of, that kind of, um, raspy swallowed R sound. Yes, I know. I cannot make that sound, but I know uh-huh. that sound. Yes. Yeah. And so that's the uvula that's kind of banging itself against the back of wow. your tongue. I did not and know so, that. And so it's also known as an accessory speech organ. Wow. Okay. Again, you always bring such cool information and I always learn something. I had no idea. I know. Isn't it fun? It, <laughs> it does fun. a lot of stuff and we just don't pay attention to that thing that's, you know, hanging back there and, you know, doing so many cool things for us. Wow. I love that. Oh, Heather, you always bring such fantastic information and I love your ability to take it and, and put it into bite size uh, uh, segments. Um, if anybody has not 
yet taken the time, podcast listeners, do it today. Find Heather on the socials. What's your handle for Instagram? I love, I think your Instagram is my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm Dr. Heather Nelson at Dr. Heather Nelson, both on Instagram and on Facebook. And um, so you can follow me along there. And I'll just plug this too, because I have not yet done a five minute pedagogy class on the uvula. It's mm -hmm. on my list to do, mm -hmm. but um, I, so I'll do that before too long, hopefully. <laughs> but I would love if any teachers out there have any ideas or any, oh. you know, wish list of things mm. that they would like me to talk about. Um, I would love to do that. And so, you know, send me a message, you know, DM me or whatever, and give me your ideas. Because I, I would love, love to that. make my segments as helpful for you as possible. I mean, I could talk about this stuff all day long and there's no shortage of topics. Um, <laughs> but if I can make your studio teaching better, that's what I want to do. Oh, I'd love that. And Heather, you're also still teaching. Like you work with singers and you also work with teachers in mm -hmm. your in your private studios. So on top of all this other wonderful presentations in your and your five minute pedagogy, you do you are running a, a vibrant studio. I am running a studio, yes. And so and my favorite thing is to work with teachers. I mean, mm -hmm. I love singers and everything, mm -hmm. but I love I love teachers because I know y'all are you know, down in the trenches and you're doing the things. And, mm -hmm. and, um, I, I love that I have been able to learn all of this stuff and it's affected how I teach. And you know, sure. I think it has made me a better teacher. And so I would love to share what I have learned mm -hmm. and, you know, tell other people how it can make them better teachers too. So I offer consults with teachers. Um, I, I am not, um, I do some like pedagogy happy hours and I'm working on getting some segments, uh, later this year. I've got a, a great friend who has, um, who has a physical disability that we're going to talk about, um, ableism in the studio and accommodations, oh, um, wonderful. for folks with physical disabilities in the studio. Cause she also has, she also is an elite singer, mm -hmm. um, and so I'm really excited about those pedagogy happy hours that are coming up. And um, okay, I'm gonna can I just tell really you pedagogy happy hours? So yeah. how wonderful is that? You get to talk shop and mm -hmm. also enjoy a beverage like. Oh, yeah. It can't get any better than that. One of the beautiful things about being online now is that you're in the <laughs> comfort of your home, you're continuing your learning, you're socializing with your colleagues, and you're just having a good time. I love that. Yeah. And they are they are scheduled for every month on the 28th at 7 p.m. Central Time. So they're oh. the, there'll be different days of the month, you know, like days mm -hmm. of the week, sure. um, but on the same date. So we can, you know, Plan hopefully ahead. allow for... <laughs> various people with their schedules to be able to come in. Thank you so much for all of this and for being our our expert on the podcast. You are just so much fun to talk to. I love your passion and your information is so helpful. I, I have to thank you. You've been such a wonderful guest this year and with all of your, um, with all of your segments. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to actually in the show notes, I'm going to put a link to all the podcasts that your segments over the past year, season five. Um, so if you've missed some of our previous episodes where Heather's talked about um, different, uh, different uh, topics, you can get caught up. <laughs> I need to go back and get caught up to so I remember everything I've talked about. Well, thank you so much. And again, um, we will have you back. And uh, thank you for everything. Absolutely. This is a lot of fun.
A very special thank you to our expert guests, Karen Michaels and Dr. Heather Nelson. If you are working with young singers, please check our website, thefullvoice.com. You can find incredible resources and wonderful new songs for your students. Please sign up for our newsletter as we have exciting teacher trainings coming up this summer, as well as new music, new materials, and a lot of new fun. As always, my friend and colleague, I am wishing you inspired teaching and happy singing. Made by Canoe Music Productions.